Hey, everybody, it's Daphne here with Laura Entertainment. We are sitting down with former CEO, author, writer, and producer, correct? Sean. That is correct. That is the, 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 <laughs> that is the, that is the new uh, title, I guess, of, uh, in the process of running right now, the, the producer side. But I've been an author and screenwriter for uh, about five, six years now. So is there anything new that you're working on? You working on anything right now? Yeah, I've got a couple things. Um, so on the film front, um, my book, The Chosen, uh, which I published, I guess, about two years ago or so, uh, I wrote the screen adaptation for it last year, and uh, it has done extremely well on the the um, Film Fest screen circuit. Uh, so I decided to take it the step further and begin the process of actually producing it. So. We're at the final stages of pre-production. We're out doing the financing pitches right now. I've managed to yet bring on board a pretty good collection of uh, actors. I have uh, Keith Mason as the lead. I've got Mickey Rourke uh, in for a part of the film. I've got a Canadian well-known actor, Greg Brick, uh, in the film as well. And we are just putting an offer out to Cole Meany as we speak uh, to bring him on board for a key role in the film. So we're looking forward to, uh, you know, hopefully a successful process in the financing run. Uh, and seeing that get into production. The target beginning of production is next April uh, with a completion, my hope is, for Halloween of 2024, as it is a dark psychological horror thriller. Wow. And on the on the novel side, um, I am just wrapping up my 14th novel. This one is a little bit different than my previous ones. Uh, it is a um, erotic romantic thriller set in 1953 post-war Tokyo, Japan. So I've got a few things on the go. I wow. Guess <laughs> What's your favorite genre as far as your writing? Uh, so, I mean, I, everything I write has at its core thriller. So I write a series, I've written a series of romantic thrillers, I've written dramatic thrillers, um, and I would say more kind of horror thrillers. So what comes natural to naturally to me, I, I'd say more than anything else, is the horror thrillers. Uh, I don't write, you know, the Scream or Friday the Thirteenth type type of stuff. What I write uh, is more of the the you know um, dark, foreboding, um, thriller oriented horror stories. Uh, I get comparisons. A couple of my books have been compared to Stephen King type of works, um, so I, I create that type of material. It, it goes back really. From from my perspective, it goes back to you know what did I enjoy growing up, right? So, from from a author perspective, I enjoyed Stephen King, um, but I was much more science fiction and fantasy reader. Uh, but what did I watch on TV? Yeah, I was up Friday and Saturday nights watching watching those horror movies. So I'm, <laughs> I guess I I'm trying to recreate a little bit of my own past. There you go. I like it. <laughs> so tell us about you as a person. Who is Sean? Well, um, I guess I've had an interesting journey. <laughs> I'm uh, 59 years old now. Um, I spent 30 years of my career in corporate. Uh, I have an MBA from one of the top business schools in the world. And I always thought that was what I was intended to be, right? I was a very creative person, but I always thought I was intended to be a businessman. You know, I followed the path of my father and my brother as the CEO of a, of a software company as we speak. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit in the blood. Um, what I found 
as I got older was that I I really was a, a very, I was, I, I, I'm quite well known as a very good storyteller. So I thought, you know, one of these days, maybe I should do something different. You know, I don't want to be the same thing from cradle to grave. So at 53, um, I decided to walk away from corporate, kind of shocking walking away from corporate because everybody looked and said, what, what are you going to do now? Uh, especially my wife said, what are you going to do now? So I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a writer. Everybody kind of looked at me and said, okay, well, good luck with that. <laughs> and I, I will say the first, you know, a couple few years, you're figuring out, uh, you're finding your voice, right? And you're finding uh, what are the stories I want to tell? How do I want to tell them? You know, how do they relate to my life? How do I, you know, where, where do my characters come from? Like, so all of this has been in my head and it's been there for a long time. Yeah. So it, admittedly, it took me a little bit of time to, um, you know, get to the point where I am today, where, you know, I, I map out uh, my, my next couple of years. I know what books I'm going to produce because uh, I've got eight or 10 and, you know, already planned out and have created the beginnings of them often i'll write the ending as well very early on so i'm just connecting the dots <laughs> what you're doing in the story um and then you know as as i started garnering success on the on the writing side i decided that uh you know i've been a film buff my whole life you know maybe it's time to actually take <laughs> this these great stories i've got a pretty good following now i'll take these great stories and and turn it into uh you know, the movies that I loved watching as I grew up. So um, I went, you know, uh, I went back to university here in Toronto. I went to uh, uh, Ryerson University, which is very well known for film. So I took the film studies. Uh, I didn't take, the, I didn't decide not to do a full, full degree, uh, but I took their diploma program, which I'm still in process of doing. But I learned the basics of screenwriting. Um, I learned advanced screenwriting. I learned the basics of movie production. I just set about doing it myself. So, you know, uh, uh, not unlike the books, the film scripts initially, uh, you know, they were rough. The stories were there. But, you know, the the, the way in which um, your words interpret the story or present the story, uh, you know, I needed to evolve in that space as well. And I, I have. So uh, I've now won oh, a dozen plus film festival as the best, best script. I've been nominated in... I don't know, 30, 40 plus uh, film festivals. And this is just in the last two years. So yeah. I, I, I seem to have mastered the art of that. Um, and, you know, as to who am I, I I'm a storyteller. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've found mediums in which um, to tell those stories. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, I, I don't make the kind of money I did as a CEO. However, I'm a much happier person. Um, I'm in control of my destiny and, and I'm telling stories that people seem to enjoy for the most part, uh, reading and hopefully soon enough watching as well. So for the people out there that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about books that you've written, the names of them, what they're about. Sure. Um, so so uh, I just mentioned my latest, it's called Jill. And that's coming out, I'm hoping, the second week of December. We're kind of going through the last stages of editing right now. Mm -hmm. I have brought on board a second author to take care of the erotic scenes, and she's running a little bit late. So it may, may be slightly delayed. But going back on, on previous books, um, my last one was called The Omega Variant, uh, and it, it takes place in 2025 in the U.S., and it follows three vignettes of people 
going about their lives and trying to survive as a uh, new wave of pandemic uh, hits the country, hits the world really, with a 17% mortality rate. And really what the book, book exposes is the fact that the country has become very polarized. And what you see with the, the challenge of such a horrendous event, uh, it pulls the left and the right even further apart. And, and the country descends into the, the initial stages of a full-blown civil war. So, so that that's kind of a that that one gets compared to King all the time uh, in the style of writing and style of the story. Um, I have a series uh, called the Judgment Day series, which uh, again is that psychological type of horror. Um, it takes the, the first one is called the Plague, and it it's essentially where I create the concept of the story. It's it's based on this idea that the Earth travels into uh, a dark matter region of the universe. So I have also have somewhat of a scientific background, so it plays into some of my uh, stories in my novels as well. So, so the plague is where this whole this whole concept starts, um, and then it it plays out sort of in uh, not perfectly in parallel, but slightly offset in parallel of demons, the uh, Judgment Day, and then the third one, which takes place in, in of all places, Las Vegas, Sin City. Where where else would you want to be for Judgment Day than Sin City? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that book because, uh, again, my books have a little bit of my character in them, of course, you know, being the creator. Uh, and that one was fun to create uh, a lead character that had many of my own personal flaws. In it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't claim to have been a saint my entire life. So there are some his, history and stories there for you. Uh, um, nobody's really a saint their whole life. <laughs> No, no, they, they can know. try, but you know, well, that just never happens. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And so, so what's interesting in being able to write is you, you, you can tell your own stories through it. I, I, you know, being open to um, telling this story, uh, which I do, I, I've actually spoken on uh, radio and, and broadcasts and so on about the fact that I lived through an addiction, a, a pretty bad one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I came to the point where it was uh, continue and die. Uh, or find my way out of the hole. So when I write these characters that have um, character flaws, they have they have challenges. They have, uh, you know, really the idea of the book demons was we all have demons inside us, right? What does it take for them to take control? I mean, that's kind of the tagline. Uh, and I know <laughs> uh, my demons yeah. did take control for a while. Um, here I am, you know, completely cl clean, completely kicked it. Uh, I do speak about it publicly. Uh, you know, in, in efforts to help those who are challenged with addiction uh, find a way out of it. So in, in my case, it was sensibility, friends, family, uh, more than anything else, the strength of my own family that uh, made me want to, you know, go the right route. So so I get to tell my story in other stories. Um, never fully me, but always a bit of me. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, where... Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a, it's a crazy world, right? And, you know, the fact yeah. is, it, it, <laughs> I, I think I was on uh, Nick Brack's um, program the other day. And uh, so he was talking, he, he does a lot of podcasts on, uh, and this one actually heard on Australian radio uh, on addiction and about battles of mental health. So, you know, mental health plays a role in, in what I write and what I express. And, you know, I, I like to look at it as, Allowing people to say it's okay 
to say, I got a problem, right? It's okay to say, hey, look, you know, maybe I need some help here. Because when you do, that's where you find your way. And I don't want to make the story all about that. But yeah. I mean, it's certainly an element of, of how, how did I get here <laughs> from where I was? You know, that all that's uh, all part of the path that I took unwillingly or, or unknowingly, I should say at the time. Yeah. So where can people buy these books? Where, where are you selling them? <laughs> so I, I focus on, uh, I, I am in some Canadian bookstores. I, what I found about bookstores is they're, uh, it's, <laughs> there's a pain. There's a lot of overhead on this. And um, I elected not to go the publisher route. I, at first, I didn't have a choice. Um, I do now. Um, but I've decided to stay um with uh, self-publishing and I'm hundred percent on Amazon. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say, sit here and say Amazon's the greatest place in the world. There's challenges working with them. However, of the options out there, um, they are, in my opinion, they're the, they're the best one. So Amazon has everything, everything. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, if you look for a, a toilet plunger, you can get it with my book on Amazon. I feel like <laughs> They, I mean, that, that place, they've just evolved out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Because they weren't here yeah. and then all of a sudden they came here and then boom, now they have literally everything. There is not one thing you cannot get on Amazon. Yeah, and, and quickly, <laughs> and quickly, right? <laughs> well, sometimes. Yeah, no, you're, you are right. And I'll sometimes. tell you that when I order uh, my, my book proofs for a new release, Mm-hmm. that takes a while. <laughs> I seem to be somewhere down the list of priorities. Yeah, I know that feeling. I've ordered things with the Prime and, you know, I was happy. Oh, yeah, it's going to be here in a day or two. And it'd take a week. I'm like, what the hell, man? Why am I even paying for the Prime? You know, <laughs> yeah, you, <do laughs> you need to bring me my stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the old days of brick and mortar, um, you, you, it was easy to get in and get out, assuming they had the product you were looking yeah. for. That was always the, the challenge of the brick and mortar days. <laughs> so I, I do centralize on Amazon for a variety of reasons. Uh, if you want to be on Kindle, Amazon uh, makes you uh, so, solely use uh, Amazon. So I can't be on Kobo, I can't be on Barnes and Noble, so I can be on Kindle. So uh, my sales. What about were... Audible? Audible. So uh, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> I get asked that often. And in all honesty, it's a path I should have gone down by now. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't uh, more so, I wouldn't call it laziness. I would say just prioritize prioritization of, of energies right now. Um, it is somewhere I'm going to be going. Uh, yeah. In particular, I have a romantic thriller series uh, that's uh, Irish Indian based. I'm Irish, my wife's Indian. Uh, so it's modeled after us and our children, and it's my top-rated series. And I get asked all the time, in particular for those, like, can you make the model? The answer is yes. The, the, <laughs> the follow-up question is when. <laughs> That's more important. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things on Audible. There is. I have it. I'm not going to lie. I'm guilty. <laughs> well, it's it's easy. It's funny. I have a very good friend of mine who's a best-selling Canadian author, and uh, he and I are actually collaborating, or, or starting to be the beginnings of collaborating on a book for next summer. Or next yeah. fall. Um, and he keeps saying, I keep saying, well, you need to read more of my stuff as we get closer. And he keeps saying, well, can't you get it on, uh, on audio books so I can start listening to it in the car? And I go, yeah, it's a valid point, right? It's the, it's the way in which some people digest their... their well, their yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason, like, I've been doing these interviews, uh, God, in a bunch of different segments for a while. 
And I was thinking, you know, because I end up doing the same thing, listening to stuff if I can't watch it or, you know, if I don't have time because I'm always working. So I'll sit there and listen. And when I decided, God, it's been almost a month now just to go ahead and launch them um, with the audio as far as putting them on Spotify and iHeart and Amazon and Apple. And there's like, there's more that it links to that. Cool. I I'm not even aware of, you know what I mean? <laughs> but oh, I'm sure there's many, I don't know about as well. Yeah. Because the interviews, I mean, they're very helpful, you know, especially when we're in the film industry and we're talking about one, people don't even realize we're dropping in potential casting calls. You know, <laughs> and uh, <I> we are helping because we are giving our own experiences, our own stories, um, advice for aspiring people, you know, putting that information out there. And I feel like everybody needs to be made aware of, you know, the reality behind what it takes to make these movies. A lot of people don't get that. And they'll go to these classes and. Some of them will be full shit. Some of them will be really good, but they're still not handed how hard it really is in this industry. It's yeah, basically, I, I, you know, it is. Yeah, I, I will tell you, um, I, I've gotten as far as I have because I have 30 years of experience behind me. So, you know, I, I'm a former CEO. I've been a senior executive for a number of companies. So I know how to work my way around these things. Uh, it's a tough, this is the toughest industry I've ever experienced. Um, it's very difficult to get a foothold. Um, it, it, there's a lot of who, you know, there's a lot of connections. There's a lot of relationships, um, that I'm building. Uh, you know, I have my old ones, but they're not that helpful in this world because this is an entirely isolated world as I've discovered. Mm -hmm. Now it just makes me want to try harder, <laughs> but it, you know, I, I can imagine coming out of film school at 25 years old, you got a tough haul ahead of you. I'll just, you know, in my opinion, you'll just say I that. didn't go to film school. Th that's the one thing I did not do. I actually, I went to six years of college for something else. I took two years medical, four years criminal justice. And that fell through when my youngest daughter was sick and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. So oh. then I had started my own business because you can't fire yourself. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's and, and that's what it was coming down to because. I had to keep leaving work to get her from school because they thought she was just sick, sick. And that was not the case. And I had explained this numerous times to these people. And finally, I was just like, I'm just going to start my own business. And I was about to go to police academy. <laughs> and finally, I'm just like, I, I can't be away for 36 weeks. So when I yeah, started working, please. then what had happened was the casting call had came out in I put my, I submitted for it and I forgot, but then it come back, you know, on set. And then I just kind of fell in love with the industry from there. So I kind of halted my business, you know, and I, I left the business license because my son, you know, if he decides he wants to take it over or whatever, it doesn't matter to me, but I've halted that business completely. And then I just went full force into this one. And it's not an easy business. It's, it's hard. I mean, yeah, if you're in this industry, is. you need to work. You're going to be working from the time you get up until the time, you know, if you're lucky, you go to bed four, four thirty in the morning. Not to mention, you know, even the writing thing, because I, I know that, too. You know, 
adapting. I know it is different, you know, because you write books. I've just been working screenplays. So Mm -hmm. adapting those books into screenplays is completely different and it's hard to learn. You know, you got a lot more to it. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I, I've, I, I do a lot of calls with people. So people say, how did you do it? Can you give me some tips or something? We'll get in the phone. Um, In my case, I would, I, I I just seem to have a natural knack for it. And and I think the reason is, is because my books are written from a very visual perspective. So I'm visualizing essentially Mm -hmm. the film um, while I'm writing the book. I, and, and I didn't know I was doing that. I'll be honest with you. I, I discovered that only afterwards as I started doing, you know, taking the, the screenwriting courses and then mm-hmm. doing the initial screenwriting, um, it seems that my books lend themselves well to being adapted. And because yeah. it's my story, the adapt- adaptation, how I want it presented visually um, means it's easy for me to, to do the nitty gritty I need to do within the screenplay for it to, to you know, hopefully, <laughs> who produces it, look that way when it's fi- done in, in print. <laughs> Yeah, it's a crazy business. It is (laughs) both sides of it, you know, even as far as from writing to producing. And then sometimes it is who, you know, sometimes, you know, people just get comfortable working with the same teams. And that's why a lot of the same people stay with each other. Like, um, here's an example. Take for um, Adam Sandler. Okay, Mm -hmm. love him. But it's always his same team and I get it because I'm the same way anymore producing. It's just like, though, you know, you can count on those people and you slowly start letting more people come in, you know, and you just, you get comfortable with people because you're working with these people way before you're ever shooting that film. You have so much stuff you have to do before you even make it to be able to film and once you you form like a year and a half, two year relationships with people, you become friends. I think of them as friends. You know, I get yeah, it. We're, we're working together, but they're friends, you know, yeah. and you just you get comfortable like that. And you always want somebody that you can count on. So I understand why, you know, like Sandler does his thing. And then I'm sure everybody does. Everybody has their team and they want to make sure it, before they even let you in. How's your track record? with Mm -hmm. people how many bridges have you burned you know have you burned any bridges it happens it happens all the time you know but sometimes you gotta be a little bit lenient as far as bringing people in because how else are they gonna learn you know if you don't let them in yeah Yeah. i i think you're bang on there um it's interesting in effect that's what started to happen with me as well so yeah, uh, I've got a, a local Toronto-based director that's part of the crew for uh, the Chosen, uh, and I've been working with the lead actor for over a year now. So yeah. he he was the relationship that brought uh, Mickey Rourke in. Uh, I brought Greg in because I know him personally. Um, but we were already talking. So I've done the adaptation for the next two movies. They won a bunch of awards, so I'm yeah. starting a pre-production process for those, um, and I'm starting to work with those guys as a team again. Because they're the guys I know, right? To your point, right? It's the guys I know. And, and I like these guys. They are, yeah, they're friends now. Now, one lives in England, which makes it a little bit difficult, but we'll, for, we'll figure We're still yeah. friends over the, across the pod. We'll figure that one out in time. <laughs> but I mean, there's Zoom, Zoom, Facebook. Yep. And I mean, yep. there's so many things of ways of talking now that it makes it easier. It doesn't matter what country you're in. 
you know, because Facebook, if you can't get to them one way, you link them another way, you know, as far as the video thing. Anyway, if you have to use the Facebook Messenger, a lot of people see me on Facebook. I know they see that green light pop up, but usually when I'm on Facebook, if I'm not launching something, I'm only on there because Messenger. That's it. And I keep that for my kids. And that's the only reason. So if somebody sees me on there, that's what it is. I'm in my messenger, not trolling, not you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will admit, I, I, uh, I use Facebook less and less and less these days. I, I, I was late to the party with it. Mm-hmm. Um, found, like many, that it's easy to get triggered on it. <laughs> And decided that, you know, I'm going to stay out of most stuff now. So LinkedIn, all up aboard, all positive messaging, all uh, mm-hmm. community oriented, constructive, helpful. I mean, that's, and that's, I mean, that reflects what Facebook's a little irritating. Like I, I used to like Facebook, but Facebook is a little irritating because one, there's just so many haters out in the world yeah. and they are so self-evolved and it's just ridiculous the kind of you know the shit and then you got to worry about hackers which i mean you do that everywhere but the level of professionalism basically on facebook is it's ridiculous because there there's barely any you know and that's why a lot of professionals like ourselves have moved to other platforms that i'm not going to name because that's the reason why <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I, and I, I'm so again, late to the party with Facebook. Yeah, and never really made it anywhere. <laughs> so I use Instagram once in a while, mostly to keep, t- you know, I, I contact with two of my daughters, my two daughters, because they're mm-hmm. on there. Um, they won't connect with me on Facebook for some reason. I guess they don't. Kids want don't. <laughs> they don't. Mine don't either. Don't feel bad. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, so my they let my wife in, not me. So I, I get the updates from her. <laughs> But link, LinkedIn is where I spend, you know, probably uh, in terms of online presence, uh, you know, 70, 80 percent of my time. Um, Keith Mason, who's our lead actor in The Chosen, you know, he, he's he's a TikTok guy. He's got a million followers. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it's it's a great channel to reach out. And we are going to be reaching out to that channel as the film gets closer. Um, but I, I don't have the patience or stamina to try and. Or, or the, oh, well, see what well, the <laughs> lack of professionalism to try and build that kind of a network on. Yeah, on a, you always have to stay clear of that. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think I just get annoyed anymore by by the social media. I, I really do. I don't know why. I used to like it, but you just see so much bullshit. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's always it's like that. Yeah. It's all bullshit now, and it's unfortunate because it's a lot of people can't see uh, truth for bullshit. So you know, it's there. In my opinion, and again, I mm-hmm. I, I speak to that in some of my books. Um, the, the the destruction of truth uh, and the ramifications of that. So there is there is no more source of truth. Like you know, somebody can say the sky is green now. Is it one? No, it's blue. No, no, no. It's it's green. I that these people have said it's green. You know, like. Oh my God. Yeah. I I know exactly what you're saying. I have to get on to my daughter, not my youngest one, one of my older ones, because every single time that girl needs some information, 
she's like, well, I heard this in my Facebook group or I heard this. I was like, you can't even believe everything you friggin' pull up on Google because some of that shit is not true. I was like, so get it straight. Read a book. You know, you might learn a little bit more than what some of these idiots are telling you or even what was placed out on Google. Get your facts (laughs) Facts from a a book. (laughs) Facts is a facts is a difficult word these days. And and, the reality is they they want instant uh, gratification, perhaps. They, they want they don't want to have to go to a book and read something to find something out it's easier if i go uh to facebook or go to google what is this blah, blah, blah. and whether i get truth or not doesn't matter i get an answer and if i don't have a deeper richer background in terms of my understanding of the world of communities of politics of business and so on then it's easy to be fooled now if you know i spent 30 plus years reading traveling uh, listening to people's opinions and stories it's harder to fool me. Not, not that it can't be done, but you know, at least I have a background that allows me to say, "Oh, wait a second, I don't know if I." That doesn't seem sensible to me, right? And, and I think that's what's that's what's lost today. It's laziness, and I mean, let let me give you a for instance. Okay, it was about a week ago, and my daughter was on her calculator, um, for school math, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And she was like, well, we can use the calculator to figure this out. I was like, what the hell happened to math, man? Back in the day, I swear to God, I I come home and this is no shit every day because I was an honor student. So books, stacks of books this big. And I was doing homework from the time I went in until one o'clock in the morning. We had to do it all by hand. And then the math, the way they've Mm -hmm. changed the math now, I mean, say 300 plus 10 310 okay it's not that anymore it's three zero 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 you know what i mean then you minus and then i'm like what the hell is that if you just write the shit on paper you might figure out the answer (laughs) i don't believe Uh, in that you know (laughs) yeah i i i like i refer to it as new new math (laughs) oh my god i just it's not even math it's some made-up bullshit to take up more time because you know you could have just told them the answer's 310 you know <laughs> <laughs> well i guess they're trying to teach the, the the logic behind it but there's times in life you don't need the logic behind it right it's so crazy i swear I, I just i don't understand some of i just don't understand me i'm old school so i'll tell her like you're gonna have to learn how to do that you know, you need to learn regardless of that calculator. I'll take that calculator and smash it with a hammer before I let you use it. <laughs> yeah, my, my kids, my kid, it's funny because they'll say, Daddy, what's this divided by this? And boom, comes right up, right? I don't need to look at anything because I spent most of my life doing it like that. Yeah. And they go, well, how did you figure that out? And I go, how could you not figure that out? It's, <laughs> right. it's not that hard. <laughs> Oh God forbid that, that something should happen and that all technology should disappear because right. they're going to have a hard time. Actually, I wrote a book about that. It's called Love in the Time of EMPs. It's about a solar <laughs> pulsating solar flare that burns out Earth's technology. And it's about how a group of 18-year-olds from the barrio in New York um, make their way across the country on old school motorcycles, pre-fuel uh, injection carburetors because they won't burn out in uh, an EMP blast. Uh, and, and it's, but their 
a different generation than my generation of kids yeah. here because they actually make it there. <laughs> my kids, oh, they they will protest if they lose that Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll wait till all the cell towers burned down and powers burned down. Yeah, and I don't think anybody here even knows how to start a fire from scratch. <laughs> We do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I tried to teach cover. someone. <laughs> I don't know. It's just living in a crazy world, man. I'm telling you what. Oh, my goodness. No offense get, to everybody out there. Don't cry about uh, it. We're just kidding. Goddamn. Okay. I, I get I get, the, I get the pleasure of writing about it, at least. So. <laughs> I have my, my therapy. <laughs> I hear you. All right. So we are going to wrap this up. I'm definitely going to tell you. Thank you, Sean. Stay on um, after we're done <laughs> for coming on. And thanks, everybody watching. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Be careful. Don't drink too much. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>